Thank you for checking out the Think Law podcast. But did you know you can dig even deeper? My first book, Thinking Like a Lawyer, a framework to teach critical thinking to all students, is now available on Amazon or many of your favorite book websites. So please check it out and be a part of our critical thinking revolution. Welcome to the Think Law Podcast with Colin Seal, where we challenge you to imagine a world where critical thinking is no longer a luxury good and equip you with the powerful but practical tools to make that possible in our schools, in leadership, and in our homes. Hey everyone, it is Colin Seal once again, and I am so excited that you're tuning into another episode of the Think Law Podcast. And I want to get started with a question that is really just all about getting started. Why is it so hard to get started? Like, really, why can't we just get started? And I want to be clear with you. This is like a, a podcast that's all about like critical thinking. And a lot of times when we think about critical thinking, we're usually imagining some sort of uh, deliberative process where we're being super thoughtful and we're considering all the angles and we're calculating risks and consequences. But... That's not what today's episode is. What today's episode is all about is getting to the point where we understand that what is the value of thinking if we never do? How can we sit here and be so obsessed with the idea of being right and getting it right and just making sure that we are right? that we completely push aside the idea of doing right. If we're talking about getting started and why it's so hard to get started, I also want to clarify that I'm not speaking about procrastination. Procrastination is a whole nother beast. Like when we talk about procrastination, you know who you are. If you are a procrastinator, I know who I am because I am a procrastinator. The difference is with procrastination, we know what the deadline is. We know what is required for us to do. We know exactly what it is that we are intending to do. We're just waiting until the very, very, very last minute to do the thing. But at least the thing has been defined to be done. And at some point, we will actually do it. Not getting started is a whole nother thing. And this is something that comes from my background. A lot of you that listen, you know that I've been a a teacher. You know that I've worked in child welfare. You know I've been an attorney. I've been a teacher again. And now I lead this organization, Think Law, where we do work across 35 different states to close the critical thinking gap. And I remember, I distinctly remember sitting down in the coffee shop one day and thinking to myself, you know, it would really be something if we could use these real life legal cases And get them in front of kids as a way to get them to do a better job with critical thinking. And to help their teachers with the kind of instruction where they're not doing all of the heavy lifting. But the kids are actually leading their own learning and driving themselves. And I remember, I remember having so many colleagues tell me, well, Colin, I don't know about all of that. You just can't come out with the curriculum. You need to... Like really get some studies done on curriculum and and really understand how to craft it and and talk to the experts and do all these things. And I was like, okay, so what you're telling me is 
I can't get started. When we think about what's going on in our world, we look at challenges around racial injustice. If you listen to our last episode, we talk about this idea of every single public policy in the United States coming down to a lot of issues around racial justice once you start asking why enough. And what do we usually see when it comes to these? Let's form a committee. Form a committee to study so that another committee can review the study's findings. And then we can make a recommendation maybe for a subcommittee to do a deeper dive. And listen to me. One day, if we figure out that what you all are thinking about doing is good enough to get started, guess what? We're going to do a microscopic pilot. What in the world is wrong with us? Why can't we just get started? And when I am thinking about what our world needs today, if you look at the massive challenges that we see, In our education system, if you think about what it means to really be able to find that career of your dreams and leave that job that you really want to find some other opportunities for or build that company you always wanted to build. Why can't we just get started? I'll tell you why we can't get started. And I'm going to break it down with some practical tools that you can start to use to reverse this trend. When I was a lawyer, I remember I had this aha moment where the billable rate that I was charging as a first year attorney really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But you know what really didn't make sense? The fact that people can pay this rate. And when I spoke to the people who were paying this rate, when I had a chance to actually have much more client-facing interactions and, and I got to know these clients, I realized The vast majority of these people did not graduate at the top of their class. The vast majority of these people were not those kind of typical, high-achieving, high-flyer kind of people. They were people who had one common trait in common. They didn't overthink. They didn't impose all sense of self-doubt on themselves. They believed in their ability to get it done with the resources that they had, and they made a choice to get it done. Now, if I start thinking about how that plays out with the kind of folks that would tune into a podcast around critical thinking, I know what we're dealing with here. I know who you are. I understand that for a lot of you, You went to school and you got good grades and you did your work and you complied and you followed the rules and that's great. The problem is that if you get to the idea of getting started and not overthinking and not trying to have the perfect plan before you go off and try to get something done, it's a great way to get stuck in analysis paralysis. It's a great way to ensure that all we ever experience in a society that needs massive structural changes is really small and safe incremental ones. Do you really want to have a microscopic pilot when the change that's needed is gigantic? So here's how we start to reverse this process. And I call it a process because there's actually 
some steps that we can follow through. If you are a rule follower, if you want to make sure that you have a process that you can start to go through to get this idea that you have, this change that needs to be had into action, this is the plan for that action. So hopefully we don't keep stuck on this question of why can't we just get started. I just led a really exciting session today where we applied this. And the session was on a topic that was truly powerful, which was tools. Tools for white people that want to actively fight against racism. Getting started in that fight actively, not just doing hashtags, not just being overall supportive of what's going on but really trying to be active in a fight. And like any change, it starts by recognizing what power do you currently have to make this change happen? Think about it. If you're a parent, what power do you have as a parent to make a change happen at your child's school? In some districts, in some school systems, to be honest with you, some of the leaders listen more to an angry parent than they would an angry educator. Sometimes you might have access you might not be aware of. You have communication opportunities to get in contact with other parents and form collaborative groups. And you can see that there's numbers in that power. You have the ability to do something. You're not happy with your employer's practices around hiring diverse candidates? What power do you have? Do you have the power to look around? Do you have the power to, 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 to actually ask questions? Do you have the power to start collecting and looking at data around this? Before we get to the actual problem, think about your responsibilities. You know, today in our workshop, there was a, a teacher that talked about their power as a music teacher. Like, I guess I have the power to select the pieces we play. I have a, the power to decide whether or not I'm going to limit all of the music that my kids play to the classical canon, or I'm going to be intentional about giving them access to diverse composers they would normally would not have access to in this type of course. Librarians talked about having access to figure out what's in their library. Teachers realized they had the power to figure out the logistics of their classroom and how they can design their classroom, the interactions, the way they break down the material. And when you start paying attention, you understand that you're more powerful than you might have imagined. So you actually have the power to get started. You have the power to get started. Part of what happens and why there's a gap is when we pick our priority, which is your second P. When you select your priority, we have to make sure in a lot of cases, if we really want to focus on getting started over everything, we want to get started with the things that are in our power to prioritize and change. So for me, if I'm trying to run a more healthy company as the CEO and founder of my organization, and I want to think about the amount of hours that we're using as a virtual company where there really is no off switch, I want to prioritize, like, okay, I need to have an off switch on my company. I need to figure out what that's going to look like. That's my priority. And because I'm in charge of the company schedule, I can figure out a way to do that. I have the power to do that. What do you have the power to do in terms of your priorities? 
because you don't want to just pick a priority that you don't have power of because all that's going to mean is you're going to have to spend more time figuring out how you're going to get it done. Now, granted, there are changes that our world needs that go beyond the scope of power. But before you can make those changes, can we just start with something? Because the reality is, if you take something like ending systemic racism, they call it a system for a reason. If we don't all take individual actions to change the system, it's all going to stay the same. So start to figure out how you prioritize within that system. If you're in charge of figuring out who in your district ends up being identified, gifted, and talented, and you know there's racial disparities there, then maybe that ought to be your priority. If you look in your classroom and you realize that certain types of kids with certain types of skin color are more likely to be referred and kicked out of your classes, then you owe it to yourself to make that your priority. If you're a parent and you have kids that are in APs and honor, in, in, in honor classes and you look around their class and say, wait a minute, in this so-called diverse school, there are no students of color in my kids' advanced classes? What are you trying to prepare my kids for? The world is diverse, but their classes can't be. Y'all got to fix this. Make this your priority. So we talk about having a power. We talk about naming your priorities. The next part is where we really start to dig in. And this is what we call the probe. The purpose of the probe is similar to what I talked about in the podcast episode around is it even really a good idea to figure out that what you're doing and really understand the extent of what you're trying to solve, you want to get to the root cause. If you look at what's going on and you're saying, okay, well, in this class, it seems like a lot of my Latino boys are struggling academically and there's a clear split amongst those racial and gender lines. Why is this happening? You look at the data, the quantitative one. You look at the data, the qualitative ones. You might speak to students. You might understand what went on in the classrooms in the past years because you want to understand what's going on. And you don't want to just understand what's going on. You want to understand why what is going on is not just important, but also urgent. There are a million important problems in our world today. How can you really understand why it's urgent? Why it's not just your priority, but it needs to be other people's priorities as well. So you figure out what is in your power. You figure out a way to prioritize based off of solving a problem that is within your power so you can actually get started with it instead of just tinkering and figuring out how you find a way to get it done. And then you started probing. You started asking questions to try to get to the root cause of what's going on. You want to know what you need to know to effectively fight for this issue. And now here's where it gets interesting. Another P stands for privilege. And when I talk about privilege, I'm not just talking about white privilege. I'm talking about a lot of different privileges that we have. And when I talk about privileges, I'm really talking about unique advantages you have for no other reason than you just exist that way. For no other reason than you just happen to be in this place at this time, but you didn't really do anything truly special to earn this privilege. It's just something that you have. And you're going to choose to leverage this to get there. When we talk about fighting racial inequities, a lot of times that comes down to white privilege. If you want to talk about having a much fairer workplace for women, 
that comes down to male privilege. If you want to talk about a, a workplace or a society or an education system that is more responsive and proactive about meeting the needs of our learners that have various physical disabilities that sometimes present access issues, then I want to talk about my able-bodied privilege. But the idea here is, even if my privilege is, I went to school with all these people, and I've been knowing these people for years, and I have it in that other people don't have, I'm going to leverage that network. I'm going to figure out how to leverage my identity, get those advantages, so I can get resources other people can't ask for. Maybe I have a direct line with this person because he used to date my cousin back in fourth grade. Who cares? Leverage it. Because you start by getting started. We're not going to just sit here and just analyze and tinker and think. We're going to plan a little bit to make sure we have these P's. We got the power. We got the priorities. We got the probe. We're going to use our privilege as an advantage. What strategic advantages do I get from that privilege? Then I'm going to think about the people. Who are the people? A lot of times change can't happen alone. And I'm not saying that I want to spend all sorts of time coming together with a committee of 85 people to get it done. No, who are the core people that I need? If I'm doing a decision in school, maybe some students will be involved. Maybe my superior will be involved. Maybe some other families, other colleagues. Who's going to help me connect with these people? Who's going to give me an outside perspective of who might be missing at that table? So many times we got a bus, we got the wrong people on the bus altogether. Forget about sitting in the wrong seat. We don't even have the right people on this bus, so we're not going the right way. It's not going to work. So we got the people in order, and here's where we start to get real funky with it. We start thinking about the problems. This idea of doing a pre-mortem. We kill our idea before it even starts. Why won't this work? What was that barrier that came in the way and prevented this from happening? Whether that barrier was a person, whether that barrier was a fiscal limita uh, limitation because we didn't have the budget for it, whether it was a policy, a procedure, or a practice that was either written or unwritten because we know that not all policies, procedures, and practices are actually written down anywhere. What are those structural barriers? And if we know that they exist, how can we actually address those challenges now without compromising our priority? And let me tell you what I just said one more time. How do we address these barriers without compromising our priority? If your change that you want to make matters, then we're not going to settle for anything less than what you said needed to happen. I remember being a part of a group one time around organizing, and we had a sample question about needing 14 early childhood centers in the community. And we had to meet and figure out how we're going to get this done. So I remember we met, and in all of our infinite wisdom, we decided that in a proposal, we were going to do a microscopic pilot of two early childhood centers. And we were going to show what that looked like because the county didn't have enough budget for 14. And we would show what that looked like. And then over three years, we would get to the point where we got to 14. And the lead organizer for the workshop said, okay, so how many early childhood centers did you need? We needed 14. How much did you ask for? We asked for two. But, 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 and you're like, okay, you had a need. You determined that it was a priority. You realized that it mattered. And out the gate, you asked for two. But they didn't have the budget. Out the gate, you asked for two. Budget was always going to be a barrier. So how do you get the budget? 
Something else got to go. You got to figure out a way to reprioritize. You got to figure out a way to make it clear that by investing here, maybe this will be parts of the budget we'll be able to save later. Maybe not this fiscal year, but in future fiscal years. And there's a lot of studies that show you the return on investment, an early childhood education. So what are we doing? Sometimes we get so smart that we're too smart for our own good. Not only do we take forever to start, but once we start, we start behind. And we're the ones that put ourselves behind. So you can start and stop being stuck in analysis paralysis by thinking about those six Ps. The power, the priorities, the probing, the privilege, the people, and anticipating the problems. We have so many challenges in our world today. We can't afford for you to sit on the sidelines because you're still thinking about it. Haven't quite cracked it yet. Let's get cracking. The system needs us to. Start by getting started because we really cannot afford to wait. Thank you for listening to the Think Law Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast by clicking on the subscribe option on whatever platform you're listening to. Thank you for helping us create a world where critical thinking is no longer a luxury good. To get the latest and greatest updates about our work, please join our mailing list by texting THINKLAW to 66866. Thank you so much for listening to the Think Law Podcast. 